Honestly, I can't tell you how incredibly pumped um, we are to have you here. This has been a dream that for us has been a very long time, uh, a long time in the making. And to see so many people gathered in this place is exciting. And not because numbers are the main thing, but because people are the main thing. And every single person matters deeply to, to God. Um, I need to, before we do anything else, um, I need to introduce you to an incredible group of people. Um, over the last year, uh, there, for every person that you see up on stage, there's uh, five others who are working behind the scenes and who have been praying for you and praying for this church and praying for the city and preparing for a very long time. Um, it's been a crazy ride. I've asked them to do a lot of things that aren't typically associated with being a part of a church. Um, we have stuffed thousands of flyers and hung them on doors, and I've had them create websites, and I've had them build costumes and dress up as superheroes and be a part of videos and uh, all types of crazy stuff. And they have been gracious and just working hard because we care about people and we want to see God meet people in a very personal way. Um, so right now I want to introduce, and if you would honor with me, uh, if you're on the launch team, the Mosaic launch team, would you please stand if you're not already standing in the back? And if you would join me in giving them just a round of applause. Um, such a cool group of people. They are some of my favorite people in the world, and uh, there's no way that this could be done without, without them. And uh, speaking on their behalf, um, I can tell you that the reason that they're part of this um, is because God has changed their lives, and God has impacted them in a personal way, and they want to be a part of seeing that happen in the lives of people. They care deeply um, about people. And I can tell you, uh, they've been praying for you. They've been praying for every person in this room. And actually, over the last few days, um, it's been amazing. I've, I've got uh, emails and phone calls from probably 50 pastors uh, from all over the country, pastors in our church, uh, pastors from California and Texas and Georgia and Louisiana um, that have been praying for you. So if you thought you could come in here and hide from God and that he wasn't going to meet with you and connect with you in a personal way, I can tell you you're screwed. Uh, because there's power in prayer and there's a lot of people that have been praying for you. Um, I can tell you this, it's... Uh, but only by divine irony. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. It's only by divine irony. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Well, hopefully it won't break, some, break on me again. We're figuring this out. Yeah, I don't want to eat the microphone. Um, it's only by divine irony that I am standing here this morning. Um, I am a pastor's kid. And if you know anything about pastor's kids, uh, we're an interesting bunch. We're a messed up bunch. Um, we go, it's, it's like we go one of two directions. Either uh, a select few are saints, and uh, they're kind, and they're loving, and they're compassionate, uh, but the rest of us are hell on two wheels. And uh, we're hurt, and we're angry, and we're disillusioned with organized religion, um, and we're bitter. And for most of my life, um, that was my story. And it had everything to do with uh, the culture that I grew up in. Um, and before I share this, I have to tell you, um, my parents are wonderful. My parents are here. Where are they, Mom and Dad? You raise your hand. They're in the back. Awesome. Um, you probably can't see them. They're way in the back. Um, my parents are awesome. And the only reason that I follow Jesus is because, uh, one, that I, have a God, I serve a God who has been infinitely gracious with me as I have messed up over and over and over again. And I had parents who continually pointed me to him. Um, so what I'm about to share with you uh, is not a reference to them, but it's a reference to the culture I grew up in. I grew up in kind of the, the conservative, Christian, sheltered 
bubble. And so if, if you're here um, and you grew up in church, like you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you didn't, you have to understand that there's this very different world uh, that exists. And it's very close to you, but it's very, it's very isolated. And I grew up in a culture where, where it, we talked about everybody else as, as if they were completely different from us, um, that they were be, to be feared, um, and that they were essentially our enemies. Um, I actually remember uh, in Sunday school, um, my Sunday school teacher, she, she would talk all the time about, um, about culture and pop culture and how it was something to be feared. And we, everything was fair game. We were to stay away from television. We were to stay away from radio. We were to stay away from Internet. Uh, anybody in anything that communicated something other than what we already believed, anyone who acted and thought and believed differently than we did was something to be feared and avoided at all costs, lest we be corrupted in some way. So I remember her talking about this television show, and uh, it was just a horrible television show. It was something that um, we needed to stay away from, or it was going to woo our heart away from God. It was the worst of the worst. It was racy content. It was something um, that was to be avoided at all costs. It was the Smurfs. And uh, I remember going on and on about these little blue, guy, blue guys. And, uh, and you see, like, you might ask, you know, well, they seem to be, you know, these lovable fictional characters. Um, but to the trained mind, to the Christian mind, we knew that they were gay. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right? They were little blue men who frolicked through the woods and lived in mushrooms together. And so she was so afraid that it was going to turn us gay. And so we were supposed to avoid the Smurfs at all costs. It was explicit content. You know, or another one, another one that she had talked at length about, He-Man. Remember He-Man? Anybody remember He-Man? So He-Man was this, this ripped guy. He had the, the straight blonde hair, and he had kind of the bashful tiger. Um, and she would talk all the time about this He-Man. And it wasn't because he wielded a sword, um, you know, an instrument of death. That, that wasn't the issue. Uh, the issue was much more serious than that. The issue was that he called himself the master of the universe. And he was not the master of the universe. Jesus is the master of the universe, making him a flaming heretic who sat on a throne of lies, trying to corrupt our young minds with his blasphemy. You know, and so like we, we seriously, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I'm characterizing, of course, but you can't make this stuff up. I remember talking about music. Everything was fair game. All pop culture was fair game. We talked the same way about music. And I was a part of, uh, you remember BMG and like Columbia House and these music clubs? And you'd get signed up, and it was like eight free CDs for the price of one, and then you had to buy like a couple over two years. Um, so I was doing that, and I would make up names, you know, and then because you, you, if you signed up a friend, you got like four more free CDs, and then they got the eight CDs, you know. So like Leroy, Leroy Brown was like my code name. And so like Leroy Brown uh, like would sign up somebody else, and I'd make up these names. One, I, I, I signed up Jesus. Um, so I got eight more free CDs for Jesus, and then I stopped getting creative, and it was like Leroy Brown the second. And he signed up Leroy Brown III. And so I literally, I had hundreds of CDs, hundreds of CDs. And they were telling me, my Sunday school teachers, all the time, this is, this is sick, this is wrong, this music is going to corrupt your mind. And, and I had the classics, man. I mean, I had, I had Bobby Brown, you know, Arrested Development, the music, not the TV show. I mean, Ace of Bass. I had every Michael Jackson CD, you know, ever. Uh, Wu-Tang Clan, you know, like all the good stuff. And after, like, weeks and weeks and weeks of just hearing, like, this is evil, this is corrupt, it's going to make you a horrible person, it's going to ruin your life, um, I, I destroyed all of them, which I immediately regretted, because I destroyed all my good music. And, uh, and I remember, 
Uh, and then from then on, you know, I just saved all my money and bought them all back. And I think if you did that, you know, if you didn't do that, I don't know if you grew up in Christendom. You know, it's like that was just a part of the deal, uh, that, that these things were to be feared, to be, that they were wrong. And, and what ended up happening, I mean, it's funny to look back and to remember um, some of the things that happened. But what ended up happening is it created um, in many of us uh, this, this dualistic worldview um, where we came to view anything that was not explicitly Christian, and namely people who didn't think and act and believe as we do, as inherently evil and something to be feared and something even to be fought against. And everybody was divided into two categories, right? There, there was, there's Christian and there was secular. Um, there was good and then there's evil. There was, there was us and then, and then there was them. And as I grew up, it became, it became more and more convoluted. And, and what we ended up taking was this worldview, and we started filtering our beliefs about God through it. So I remember uh, growing up, and we, we would learn about uh, war, and we would learn about you know, the Bible stories of God's people going off to war and, and fighting the enemies of God, and things became more and more confusing. Um, I remember there was a song that we sang every, every week as a part of Awanas, um, did the whole Awanas. Any Awanas people in this room? Yeah, yeah, Awanas. So we did Awanas, and it was like, it's basically like glorified daycare. You know, the kids get exhausted and run around in circles, and they run to the middle and try to get the pin and the bean bag, and like there's, you know, kids running into each other and bashing, bashing of skulls and all types of stuff. But uh, we did the Awanas thing, and I remember there was this, this song that we sang every, every um, week, pretty much, and it was called, uh, like, I'm in the Lord's Army. And, uh, oh, you know it? Yeah? So it was like, I may never fight in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. Uh, I may never soar on the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. And uh, as, you know, that speaks to a young boy's heart, right? We're going off to war. I'm in God's army. I'm fighting for God. Um, but, but there's one problem. They never, really, they never really defined for us who the enemy was. They never really defined for us who we were fighting against and what exactly we were fighting for. Uh, and so left to draw those conclusions for ourselves, I thought that was really clear. Um, it, was, it was the gays, it was the liberals, it was Hollywood, it was everything pop culture. Basically everybody who didn't think and act and believe as we did. And, and so there's always a fight to be fought. And it was always against the people all around us who, who weren't like us. Um, and fight we did. And, and you know this is true. You know, you don't have to look very far to see that the fights continue. Um, if we're not fighting people that we don't agree with and that don't believe as we do, we're fighting with one another. I mean, recently I, I was watching CNN. In the middle of the day on CNN, and two pastors are on CNN, and they're arguing over yoga. You know, there's this pastor from the West Coast, from California, a very influential church. There's a pastor from Minneapolis, this small, progressive, kind of hippie-type church. Um, and they're arguing over re- whether Christians should be able to do yoga with one another. And I remember thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I, know, I think the people on CNN are like, yeah, this is crap, but we've got nothing else. You know, we need to fill some time. So go at it, boys. You know, and so, like, they're arguing with one another about this, this thing. And I just remember thinking, these guys are both in big cities. Like, there's, there's needs everywhere. There are people that are hurting and, and desperate and people who are desperate for God, who are not connecting, all types of needs, and this is how they're spending their time. They're on CNN in the middle of the day arguing over yoga. And I remember thinking, like, there's no wonder some people struggle with so much with the Christian faith. 
You know, no wonder there's so many people who look on with disinterest and remain completely disconnected from who God is. Is this really the battle that God would have us fight? Is this really what we were created for? Is this what it means to be a Christian? And so for me growing up, after a while, after seeing people hurt and run over and, and just discouraged and even driven further from God, I, I just said, so this is a joke. You know, if this is, if this is what the Christian faith is, is all about, I don't want anything to do with it. And if this is any reflection of who God is, then he doesn't like us anyway, so let's just go home, you know? Um, and I completely, for a long time, just ran as far away from God as possible. I didn't enjoy uh, my life at that point very much, uh, but it was better than being brutalized and beaten down by religious people, and I ran for a long time. And during this time, though, something began to happen. And I think I began to experience what I think a lot of like church kids experience when they go off to college, is that in disconnecting from the church and actually being amongst real people with, with real needs who talk about real stuff, um, I started to meet the people that I thought I was supposed to hate. And I started making friends with, with these enemies, friends who were gay and f- friends who had a different worldview than me, uh, friends who believed differently than me. And it started to mess me up. It started to mess me up. It does something to you when you begin to love the people you're supposed to hate. And at the same time, I couldn't shake something. I couldn't shake this, this, this internal belief. Like somehow I knew even when I didn't want to believe it, somehow I knew internally that God was legit. You know, that, that, that somehow I knew that, that Jesus was who he said he was. And that he did what the scriptures say he did. And so I began discover, rediscovering who God is. And about that time, I started opening up the Bible and reading for myself about this God and about what he calls us to. And I started seeing things that I'd never seen before. There is, uh, in John chapter 8... There is a, a pretty famous story. Um, it's a pretty famous story about a woman caught in adultery. Uh, the religious leaders did not like Jesus at all. In fact, I take a lot of comfort in knowing that religious people did not like Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> amen? Um, religious people had a very hard time with Jesus. And what they did is they brought somebody very much like the people I thought I was supposed to be hating and condemning. And they bring before Jesus in John chapter 8. And the last thing that Jesus said is he says, he says, go and uh, leave your life of sin. Go and, and sin no more. And I knew that part. You know, that, that, w- that could have been our mantra growing up, right? Leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. It's like point, condemn, right? Point, condemn. Um, go and leave your life of sin. But as I began reading the story and backing up, I, I noticed something that I had never noticed before. And see, I'd never been taught that right before Jesus says that, before he says, go and sin no more, leave your life of sin, he says, I do not condemn you. I do not judge you. And all of a sudden, the pieces started to come together for me as I saw Jesus step into this woman's brokenness, step into the moment of her greatest pain in the midst of her greatest shame, and he says, I do not judge you. He met her where she was at. He showed her grace first, love first. And it dawned on me, maybe for the first time, that perhaps, perhaps the Christian faith was not something that was meant to be defended. Maybe it was something that was meant to be lived out and shared. You know, maybe the very people that I had been raised uh, to hate and, and to avoid were the reason that we were here all along. And as I began seeing that in the scriptures, 
like there. I started to see it everywhere, and I have no idea how we missed it. You know, like every good church kid, I memorized John 3.16, right? Perhaps like the, the most famous verse in the Bible, and it should be, because um, it's just very, it's great. It succinctly communicates who God is and what he, he came to do. And it says this, it says, like, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him uh, will not perish but have everlasting life. It's a great verse. It's a beautiful verse. But somehow I missed this whole idea that the movement of Jesus Christ was motivated by God's love. And somehow, you know, we, we focused on John 3.16, but I never, for whatever reason, kept reading and read the verse immediately following it. The verse immediately following it says this. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so I started to connect the dots. And things started coming together for me. You see, before Jesus had left, he had spoken to his disciples about the whole nature of this religious business, right? Um, about the movement of Jesus, why it was here, and, and what our mission was to be after he left. And at the end of the book of Matthew, he says this. These are the final words recorded by Jesus. He says, Then Jesus came to them, and he said this. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Therefore, go. Make disciples. Show them love and grace as I did. Meet them in their brokenness. Go to where they are. Help them to experience God's grace and find the life that is possible. The end of the book of John, he says essentially the same thing. He says, he says, just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And for the first time, I got it. So if Jesus was on a mission to con- not to condemn the world as we had been doing, as I had been raised to do, but he had been sent to save it, and we were meant to follow his lead in bringing that message to those who are far from God, then that changes everything, right, of what it means to be the church if we're supposed to follow in his footsteps and show grace to those who need it most and to step into that moment of greatest need, then the fight, what it means to be Christian and what it means to be the church is never to fight with people. It's just the opposite. It's to fight for that pe- for people. It's to fight for people. And all that time we had been fighting with people and God had called us to relentlessly pursue those who are furthest from Christ with the gospel in love in grace. And, and, and I share that for this reason. You know, on this first day that we're meeting as a church in this space, it's, just, it's an exciting day. But to be honest, like, this is, this is the reason why. This is the reason why we're doing this. It's about people. It's about people. It's always been about people. And I just want to dispel a myth right now, just so you know, like, the reason we're doing this is not because we want to be the hippest, coolest, trendiest biggest, best church in Lincoln. And just so you know, we're not the best church in Lincoln. We never will be. There are a lot of great churches in this city. And we're on the same team. And you know what? Some of you are here because you love us, you support us, your friends, your family. Um, And some of you are here because you want to be a part of this church. There may be a better church in the city that is better fit to help you follow Jesus and engage in what he's doing in the city. And to that I say, great, go be a part of it. Our goal is not to be the biggest, best, hippest, trendiest church in the, country, in the city. You know, our goal is to meet people where, where they're at, 
to meet them in the midst of their brokenness, to meet people who don't know Christ. That is why we're doing this. Um, and, and in doing that, in doing that, it, it, our goal is, is pretty simple, um, but it might be a little bit different than, than what you've experienced in the past. See, our goal as a church is, is our goal is we want to create a space that is very safe for those who do not know Christ um, and very dangerous for those who do. So if you're here this morning and, and you've never connected to the person of Jesus Christ, you know, and you wouldn't consider yourself uh, a church person, or maybe you grew up in church and like me, you, grew, you were broken and just grew disillusioned with the whole religious thing and disconnected somewhere. In many ways, like you're the reason this church exists. And, and our hope and our dream is that this would be a community where regardless, regardless of whether you ever believe as we do, where you can belong, where you can pursue God and what he has for you as you're ready. And that this would be a place where you feel genuinely welcomed, genuinely embraced, and a part of a candid conversation about what it means to follow Christ um, day to day. Uh, and, and, and what it means for us is, is you know, we're not going to water it down. Um, we're just going to be really honest about what it involves. Um, we're not going to try to package it and sell you on a, a bag of goods. I refuse to insult your intelligence in that way. But our hope is that this is a conversation, this is a community that does such a good job of, of loving people well and, and inviting people into a conversation about who God is and what he has done and what he's doing here and now. And that is a conversation, perhaps, uh, that you would want to be a part of. And so if you're here today and, and you don't know Christ, um, I just want to say thank you for coming and we're pumped that you're here. And if you're here this morning, perhaps, and you do consider yourself to be a follower of Christ, uh, and you've committed your life to Christ somewhere along the way, and you're checking out Mosaic and thinking about being a part of Mosaic, uh, we've been praying for you too. Um, our hope and our dream is that this would be a community, and this would be, that today really would mark um, a new season in your life and what it means to follow Jesus. And our hope, our dream, is that this would be a place where, where God would begin to stir in you in a new way, in a fresh way, uh, and that you would begin to rediscover who he is and what he has for you. And you have to know, and just to put all my cards on the table, if you are a follower of Christ, part of what I see my job as being is to make you very uncomfortable. Um, very uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable in the sense that you don't feel welcome here, but uncomfortable in the sense is that our hope and our dream is that as we dig into this, as we begin to, to pursue God and to open up the scriptures and to, to begin to love this city well, that God would move in you in such a powerful way, in such a new way, that he would call you to things so big that it would terrify you, and that you would know that the last thing that you can do is sit idly by and do nothing when there exists such a great need in this city. So our hope and our dream, our prayer, is that maybe today if you walked in here and you find yourself disillusioned and you're looking for something and you don't know what it is, that God would meet you in a new way, and that this would mark a new chapter in your life as you follow Christ. Uh, this morning, I just want to welcome you. And I want to thank you for being here. Today is a really significant day uh, for us as a church. And um, it's exciting to see so many people coming together for a common cause. And um, thank you. I mean, it's the world. I just want you to know that. So here's what I want to do. Worship band, uh, you can come back up. Um, what we're going to do is, at this time... Uh, we're going to close in prayer. Um, and again, if you've never committed your life to Christ, uh, I want to invite you to do that. Maybe for you, if you need to recommit your life to Christ, 
uh, our hope and our prayer is that this morning would be that day for you. So let's bow our heads in prayer. If you've never committed your life to Christ, it starts with a very simple prayer, and, and you can repeat after me or pray in your own words. It's the heart of it that's important. You just say, say, God, I am broken. God, I, I, I might not know all, all of what it means to follow you, but I know that what I'm doing is not working. And God, I ask that you meet me in my place of brokenness. And God, I commit my life to you. All of it. And God, I ask that you would take it and do with me what you will. Father God, I pray for the people in this room who come in, and undoubtedly there's all types of things going on in our lives. There are people who come in here just on fire and ready to get busy and and to pursue passionately after you. There are people here struggling with various levels of addiction, relationships, families perhaps that are falling apart. Perhaps people who are not in a, a place of crisis, but instead have tried everything and have everything they should need and still continue to ask, is this it? This can't possibly be it. And God, I ask in this space, Lord, that you would that you would meet us and that for those of us who find ourselves in that place, God, we just come before you. And as a, as a new church, on a first morning, as we continue to, to figure this thing out and get the technical bugs working and, and all those kinds of things, God, we come before you and just acknowledge before you, God, that this is, this is all about you. This is all about what you did on the cross. This is all about what you desire to do in the lives of people all about what you are preparing to do in this community, in this city. God, we love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.